Computer, initialize Holosuite. Star Trek books. They've been around for decades. Join us, the Trek ladies, Kavora and Jen, as we discuss the novels one at a time. Welcome to the Ladies Trek Library. Hello, and we're back with Ladies Trek Library. I'm Kavora, and I'm here with Jen. Hi, Jen. Hey, Kavora. Um, it's really nice to be back. Great. And so our book this time is The Three-Minute Universe by Barbara Paul. And I'll just read the description on the back of the book. The Sackers. In all Captain James T. Kirk's travels, he has never found a race more universally shunned and abhorred. Their mere appearance causes most Federation members to become violently ill. Now the Sackers have performed a deed whose brutality matches their horrifying exterior. They have stolen a revolutionary new scientific device, murdering an entire race in the process, and used it to create a rip in the fabric of space, a hole through which another universe is rapidly leaking. Unless Captain Kirk and the crew of the Enterprise can find a way to stop the new universe's expansion, it will consume and utterly destroy our own. So that's it. And so it does sound um, like, a, like a pretty big story, one of those um, destroy the universe kind of things. But it was, it was actually about meeting a new race and getting to know them and understanding them is kind of the way I see it. So it, it does enter this new race that they, at first, we, they're called the Sackers because they, that's just what the humans named them. Uh, what did you think of the Sackers, Jen? Well, it, it reminded me um, a bit of the Medusans from Is There, uh, Is there in Truth No Beauty, the original series episode. Remember the Medusans who, um, you know, no one could look upon because they would be blinded. Yes. Um, so in that sense, it was sort of similar because, uh, you know, no one could, if you looked at them, you became violently ill. Their smell made you ill. Um, listening to them made you go deaf. And uh, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, um, the their touch. touch. Yeah, their touch burned you. So it was a little bit on the medusans, which so I thought that was somewhat interesting. So the fact that they're just, um, the way the book describes it, they... They offend all five of the human senses, so it's like, how can anybody stand to be with them? That's why no one had ever negotiated with them, and it, it's hard to even get started because, well, and of course, they also speak a different language. I did like the story, the way it became, the way uh, everyone got more used to them. Once, uh, once they started working with them, Kirk, Uhura, Chekhov, and Scotty are working with them, and they do have to... They're wearing helmets, right? The humans are wearing helmets at first, and the Sackers are also wearing a cloak. They're wearing something over them and, and a hood so that, so that you can't actually see them. And they're wearing their own translators, too, so that the humans can understand what they're saying. And once, once Kirk and, and everybody starts working with them, they kind of see, like, oh, these people aren't really as bad as we thought. Yeah, um... So especially what I liked um, was 
so Scotty begins working with um, one of the sackers, and they, the one interesting fact about them is that they don't um, they don't tell you what their names are, or they don't have names until you call them something, and then they become very happy when they're granted a name. Um, and so they all have kind of like, even though they're supposedly hideous to look at, they all sort of have different colors. Um, and so Scotty is working with an engineer who apparently is green. So he names him Mr. Green. And, um, it's kind of like a cute little friendship between Scotty and Mr. Green. And you see where he really comes to, to like him and respect him. Yeah, that was funny. (laughs) The book was funny in some ways too. It had some humor, which I liked. Um, yeah, and, and the name Mr. Green reminded me of, um, you know, the board game Clue. It, yes. It, Mr. Green, right? And even and even there were other, a few of the sackers were named after colors like Rose and Brownie. And those were just cute names. And and the, and the so we have Commander Babe, who, who was named unintentionally because Uhura just said something like, you better believe it, Babe. And then, and then the one, the sucker that's in command said, oh, are you naming me Babe? And so, and that's the way some of them got named. Yeah, the names were one of the funny parts of it, because aside from the colors, like you mentioned, and I think there was like a pinky. Um, and then my personal favorite was there was an orange one that Chekhov named Orange Juice and Vodka. Uh, but then there was a few other ones that were a little weird, like there was the Mr. Ma'am, because I guess she, she heard somebody say Mr. Ma'am and thought that was her name. Um, but my, and then another personal favorite was, uh, the, the one who was the doctor, uh, Chekhov named her bones of uh, which means daughter of bones, uh, as like a little tribute to bones. So that was cute. Uh, but yeah, the names were funny that, that they came up with. Yeah. It, and the book could almost have been like a, um, a young adult novel in some ways. It was very, it did have the serious parts, but it was also very cute. But um, but that that was good. I mean, I'm saying those are some of the good things about the book. So what did you think about how, how the main characters were in the book? Uh, do you mean the characters, uh, the, the, the crew of the Enterprise or the um, stackers? Yeah, the well, well, all of them. We'll go with... Um, who do you think is like worth mentioning first? Well, um, so the the main Enterprise characters on um, are really uh, Kirk, Uhura, um, Chekhov, and Scotty because they are the ones that end up on the Sacker ship. So um, they are the most you know in the book more than any of the other the crew. Um, and and Spock a little bit. He's back on the Enterprise. Um, we don't really see uh, Chekhov. I mean um, Sulu too much. Um, and this one, and, and Bones a little bit. Um, but uh, I liked it, uh, you know, I, I always like, especially when Uhura gets more um, time in books, and so, you know, she was in it uh, a fair bit, as uh, all of the Enterprise crew were on the Sacker ship, um, to apparently all of the, the bridge crew had been killed in an, in an accident, so they said, and the, they needed training on, on running the ship. And so Uhura was had some uh, sackers that she was training, um, and she had little names that she had given them, and um, and she was in it a lot. So so I like that. Um, and the sackers were all interesting. I thought it was pretty obvious from the beginning, and I don't want to you know if we're getting into that spoiler part right now, 
who they actually were. So yeah, it might come out, but but okay, yeah. You know, so so in that sense, it was a little predictable for me because I was I was like, oh, I had it kind of figured out early on. Oh, that's what's happening. You know, so um, and then the other thing I'll mention about the main characters is that um, you know, like I said, I mean, I always love to see more of Uhura. Um, there was one part about this. So, you know, the Sackers, if they touch you, you burn. And um, they put on this storyline where, you know, Uhura, when she was a child, um, her, her friend, there had been a fire and her friend had died in the fire. And because of that, she, you know, she was very afraid of fire. And shortly before the events of the story unfold, she's having nightmares and she needs to see um, Dr. McCoy to help her sleep because of these horrible nightmares about a fire. And I also felt that was a little predictable because I, I knew where that was heading. I knew that, oh, you know what, they're going to have her face her fear of the fire, and that will be resolved in the end. So it felt a little contrived to me. Okay. Yeah, I know what you mean because um, she, she has this fear of fire, and she says she's been dreaming about, about being in a fire. And with, with the Sackers, you know that they that their touch can burn you, and so so, so like – Oh, that's a strange coincidence. Like, oh, gee, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I do think that um, that that uh, the the author had a good handle on the on the characters that we already know. And I did read that Barbara Paul is she was a fan before she wrote this book. So, so yeah, she knew how to handle Kirk and Spock and everybody. Um. I mean, I do like the the command and the way Kirk said that um, the commander Babe, like like when she's giving orders, Kirk thought that it kind of sounded like him giving orders. I just thought that was a nice touch, and just to show how how good that that Babe was, like 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 they thought she's a natural commander. That's cool. Oh no, I'm gonna say I agree, and I think um, it was obvious reading the book that um, the author was a fan. Um, you know, she made a mention of Kyle, the transporter chief, early on, and I caught that. And and I agree, the characters were all in character, um, and she had a good handle on that. There was just one mention of, of of something about Spock not being good at command. I kind of questioned that. I was like, well, no, I thought he was good, but um, but that like the parts with Spock. And McCoy, that that was pretty good with their interaction and seeing and you know the way McCoy was always emotional. I think that worked. Um, but I do like, um, as you said, Uhura in this book. The way, well, I like that that we learned something new about her. Um, finding out her fear of fire and that she had lost a childhood friend in a fire. Um, that that was something new that the, that they added that I like. And it was mentioned. I mean, you know, just to, just to say this, like on Star Trek, there hasn't really been a fire that they haven't really shown fires like it's not as much of a problem in the 23rd and 24th centuries. But they did mention once that Jordy was caught in a fire as a child. Oh, just to throw that out there that like that they did. It could still happen. Yeah. And then remember Picard's uh, brother and nephew die in a fire. That's right. Yes. And I didn't even remember that until now. Of course, this book was written before that, I believe. So. Yes, this book. Yeah, I noticed that it came out in 1988. Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to mention. Just the fact that 
the next generation was already on TV. It had, it had you know, just been on a season when this book came out. But there was also a mention where, where Uhura was thinking that, um, that she doesn't like touch pads. And I, I was like, I know that that's in the book because of the next generation, because they had touch pads there. But on the original series, they, they didn't. They all had, they had buttons to push. And Uhura was thinking, you know, she likes the buttons better because she, she actually can feel it, you know, when she pushes the button. But with touch pads, you're kind of not sure if it, if it registered when you touched it or not. That kind of thing. I just thought that was interesting. Yes, I know. I did notice that. And I'll, uh, at the time, I, I guess I didn't pay attention to when this book was written, and I was thinking it was written before the Next Generation had aired, and that uh, maybe the maybe the author was talking about um, some of the movies. But um, it probably was Next Generation. That's kind of funny. I should have thought about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I distinctly remember her saying, "Oh yeah, these." You know, it kind of reminded me. You know how people complain. Oh, I don't like the when the phones went to the touchpad from being the, uh, the actual keyboard phone. So Yes. And so um, I do think this book brought out some things that are that are still relevant today, which is which is what would be like any good Star Trek book. The the parts about accepting people who are different, that's that's a big part of this book that really comes it comes out more in, in the end, but it's something they're talking about all through the book, trying to get used to these people. Did you want to expand on that or any other thing in the book that's relevant today? Yeah, well, I mean, that was obviously the main uh, point of the book, that, you know, not to judge people uh, based on their appearance. Um, it was a bit exaggerated. I mean, you know, there to the point where not only do the sackers make people physically sick, but, you know, the whole crew is, is constantly talking about, oh, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to ever see one of them, or, oh, yeah, you know, I, what is there something, Scotty says, uh, calls them a, a monster or something like that, uh, I, I can't remember, but, um, so it was a bit exaggerated, um, you know, to me, in a way, they were kind of behaving in a way that I wouldn't expect them to behave, you, you know, maybe we could acknowledge that they made people sick, and so you didn't really want to be around them, but they seem to be like making fun of them to a degree that seemed a bit immature. Um, but I mean, I guess that was the point she was trying to make, um, you know, and I sort of knew where that was going at the end too, that, you know, it was going to turn out that, Hey, you know, if we just take time to get to know people who are different, um, maybe we can, you know, realize that they're not so bad and maybe there are some things that, we can get used to, um, you know, after spending some time with the Sackers, uh, the, the four crew members that are on board the ship with them are kind of able to not wear the helmet. They can kind of start to get used to how bad they smell and they're sort of able to listen to them without, you know, going deaf. Um, so they can kind of get used to it. So, yes, after you spend time with them and get used to them and then, and then you can also, get used to things like the smell, which they didn't think they could, but yeah, it, it, they got acclimated to it after a while. And, uh, and uh, also there was a line in the book where Kirk said, all lives are of value. I mean, I just thought that's so weird because that could be in a book today. I mean, because it's just something that you, that you hear so much or something very similar 
similar to that today. It's just that very idea. And, and the part about all lives, because it was something in the book where the Sackers had killed some people, and, and to them, they didn't really, they didn't think anything about it. They just thought they were doing what they had to do. And Kirk was saying that you, you have to learn to kill and to hate. You're not born with that. And I just love that idea that, that he threw that out in the book. Yeah, there was a scene where, I mean, in the Sackers you know, pretty violent, they killed some people pretty violently and uh, had some pretty much no remorse for it. And um, there was a scene where uh, they killed one of the Enterprise crew, um, basically burning him to death, which was, uh, that scene, I, I wish they had not included that in the book because it, it was really disturbing to me. Um, and, you know, when Sky is upset about this, they're kind of like, well, was he related to you? And he was like, no. And they're like, well, we don't understand why you're upset. Then, you know, they just didn't, they didn't get it. And then, you know, the the story starts with the the reason that the Enterprise comes into contact with them is because this star system, the Beta Castelli system, which is the homeworld of a race of people called the Zergosians, has been completely destroyed um, by a a new universe, a universe that's three minutes old. So hence the title. Um, and the enterprise is able to find out that this has to do that, that the people who have caused this is the Sackers. So they've killed a, an entire star system. And as the universe continues to expand, more people are dying. Um, and they, they go to a planet where the Zergosians had a colony called Holocks and the, uh, Sackers have tried to, um, kill all the people on that planet and again don't really have any remorse for it so um so it was interesting because on the one hand the author wants you to feel empathy for the sackers because they've been ostracized but it's hard to like them not because of their you know the fact that they smell or they're you know they're they sound terrible or they look terrible, but that they seem to be killing without remorse and they don't really understand, you know, why people's lives are valued. So at the end of the book, you know, we, we actually learned that the, the people who had for, formulated this plan was the, were the adult sackers who all died in an accident. And the ones that we're interacting with in the book are juveniles who really didn't know this is what they were taught from from the adults and they have to learn from the crew of the enterprise um, that you know what they were taught from the the adults is wrong um, but you know the book gives you the impression that because they're juveniles um, you know they still have the opportunity to to learn and to to not carry on that uh, way of thinking because they're young so it was interesting how she she did it that way because she wants you to have empathy for for these people but at the same time they're they're, they're doing these horrible things but then you realize that well the young people that have done some of this were indoctrinated into this belief system so in some ways it's not exactly their fault because they don't know any different so it was also kind of a book about what happens when people are indoctrinated into this kind of belief and how much is it their fault and, and how much is it the fault of 
the system that they were brought up in. Yeah, that's an interesting thought um, because it, it it was kids that that um that Clark and everybody had to deal with, and if it had been the adults. It might have been a lot different. I mean, they, they wouldn't have been able to reason with them as well. But, of course, the adults wouldn't have asked for their, for their help because these kids asked, asked for, um, for their help because they needed help with engineering, communications, and command, and navigation. And in, so they, they needed those things. And, and even a, about um, ha- having the idea that they're so repulsive, it's kind of – it's harder to for that to come across when you're reading a book. I mean, you know, if it was if we could see it, it would it would probably have more an effect. So so just reading the book and you, you keep reading that they're that they're repulsive, but then you're also reading how how they're humorous and it it's it becomes a little more e- easier to accept while you're reading the book. So um, I guess we can go on to final thoughts. Um, as I said, I, I did I did like the book, and I think um, you know as you mentioned, it's mostly an Uhura book. It's I think she really shined in this book the way because the way it was about her and learning to cope with her fear, and the fact that she was the one who who was able to translate their language. She had started working on trying to figure out the Sacra language, um, and actually I don't know why like they they couldn't have had the Universal Translator do that. But, but anyway. <laughs> um, so, what are your thoughts on the book? Yeah, I liked it. Um, I like I said, I did think there were some things that were a little contrived in there. But overall, I could imagine this being an original series episode. It fit right in with a lot of the themes that we've seen in the original series, and and it wasn't too far fetched for for a lot of original series episodes. Um, I I thought it was good. Um, and I liked the the time that we got to see with Uhura, and I liked seeing um, I like seeing Scotty working with Mr. Green, and um, and even Chekhov, you know, was was humorous in this. It had it did have some very funny moments in it, um, and so overall, I'd say it's it's a good book. And you know, having the the fire at the end. What well, one thing about that though is I was expecting, like, like you know, when Kirk said that people from the Enterprise were going to beam over to the Sacker ship and put out the fire, I kind of, I mean, well, he, when he said that they were going to beam over, I just expected the fire to be put out, you know, instantly, but it didn't because they they still had the big fire and Uhura and Kirk were caught in it. And, of course, they had to be because that was part of the story of Uhura facing a fire. But, yeah, but somehow I just thought the fire should have been put out a lot sooner. Yeah, it did seem like it took a really long time for them to put a fire out on the starship. Like, I guess they tried to explain it that, like, some systems weren't working. Um, so I was kind of like, mm, okay. But, I mean, the real reason, I, like I said, was I think a little contrived. And so that Uhura would face her fear of um, having to, at, at the end, where she's stuck in a position where she has to, you know, walk past fire. Um, so. Yes. But other than that, I do think um, it was a good book. And I, I just have to say this, too. I typed up my notes, and when I and I type in Sacker, and my, my autocorrect kept changing it to Slacker. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so it's Sacker, anyway. But, um, yeah, I would say I do recommend it, and I think it's it's pretty good for, I would say, a good young adult novel, even though you mentioned the part with the 
the murder, that is that that is a little disturbing. But other than that, it seemed, you know, more of a lighthearted, entertaining book. And it, it was a pretty fast read, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, it was pretty lighthearted and a fast read. Now, there was some scientific stuff that I can say that I didn't really understand. Um, and maybe the author kind of, like, tried to skim over that. Like, it, to me, it was never really clear. So the premise was that the Sackers are supposed to be buying this ship from the Zergosians. So the Zergosians are building a starship for the Sackers. Um, and they, but they steal it before it's complete. But this ship has the ability to open a new universe, but also to close it. But it was never really clear to me, like, why are the Zergosians building this ship with the ability to open a new universe in it? So they kind of didn't explain that. So it was a little glossed over. It was like a kind of a convenient um, plot <laughs> device. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> like when you're watching an episode and they, they have all this techno babble and yeah, I, I always kind of gloss over it. Like I know they're explaining it in their way. <laughs> yeah. So I think if you're like hardcore looking for technical explanations, then this, this is not going to work for you. It's, it's a uh, contrived, but, um, but a good book. Um, and an interesting read, especially if you're a fan of um, some of those minor characters that we don't see so much. Yes. So, so um, they did say that the when when the Zergosians or when the ship created the new universe that you know it creates a new universe within our own and it's expanding. But they said that um, it resembles our universe at the time when our universe was three minutes old. I mean, that's, um, you know, just to explain, that's where they get the title of the book, The Three-Minute Universe. So the, and that was at the time when the Enterprise first discovered the new universe, that it resembled our universe when it was three minutes old. And that's how they knew that it was a new universe that was going to create and expand within our universe. It's an interesting concept. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> okay, so I guess we'll end it there. So we both said we liked the book. Okay, great. Thanks, Jen. See you next time. Yeah, bye. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and join our Facebook group. Live long and may the force be with you. Nanu Nanu. This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Random Trek Review, a Star Trek Review Podcast. Okay, well, it's one of those things where, like, you would expect, like, as medical history gets better and everything, like, life expectancy gets longer. Just like we've experienced in our own kind of world and planet, right? Like, it's way better now than it was 50 years ago versus 100 versus 200, so... Versus 5,000 years ago where you'd be lucky to live to, like, 30? Yeah, exactly. We'd already be done and dusted, my friend. (laughs) Well, or we'd be super old. Right, we'd be like the village elders. (laughs) Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Starbase 1, the Star Trek Online podcast. I don't really think that's a good idea. I order you to do it right now. Warning, the structural integrity field has collapsed. This is Admiral Quinn. You will be assigned to Starbase 1. Welcome to Starbase 1.
I'm Colin. I'm Admiral Aaron. I'm Dave. I'm Steve. And I'm Tom. Starbase One is a dedicated Star Trek Online podcast. If you're a first-time listener, hello. If you're a dedicated decade listener and you've been wondering where the hell we are, we're back. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Star Podlog, the classic science fiction and fantasy podcast. Well, and, and it's amazing reading, reading that description of the movie, because if I was going to write a description of Star Wars, that's not exactly what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, but yeah, yeah, it's neat to go back and read these and you're going, wow, that's just, you know, they, they don't really make it sound as exciting there, but they still, I mean, they make it look like, yeah, you want to see it, but, but not for, for those reasons exactly. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.